Hello, my name is Carrie Barber. I am 53 years old. I am a CEO. I am a daughter, the oldest of six kids to parents that have been married for 57 years. I'm a wife to David Barber, my best friend. I'm a mother of six kids with my twins still living at home and attending church here. The rest are grown and living on their own. I'm a grandmother of 2.5 grandsons and the 0.5 is due in October. I'm a graduate of Christ for the Nations Bible College with a degree in theological seminary. I am a LifePoint Church small group leader of an amazing group of women who have been meeting and growing together for years. I'm crafty, well, really kind of addicted to creating things like sewing and needlework, and I'm a child of God. I'm His daughter. Why did I tell you all of these things? It was so that you can get to know me and have a glimpse of who I am, of my character, my strengths, and my heart. This information could be deepening of a relationship we already have or the beginning of a relationship as a fellow follower of Jesus and His Word. Relationship is so important. Accepting and believing in someone, Jesus did a wonderful thing for us. He came to live among us, become human like us, but then He tells us about His relationship with God the Father. In John 10, 38b, Jesus says, The Father is in me, and I in the Father. He also gives us these amazing I am statements. These are pictures of who he is with many different aspects of his character. These are meant to help us continue to build a relationship with him, to give him credibility to his words, to his actions. Last week, we heard about Jesus being our light. Darkness and light are still being used today to simulate evil and good, especially in comics and movies. Jesus provided the ultimate light for which we have to never live in darkness again. It is the light of eternal life. Last week, we ended when Jesus heals a blind man. He uses this miracle in many ways. He used it to educate the disciples. They were the ones asking about the blind man's sin. Remember? They asked Jesus if the man was blind because of his own sin or because of the sin of his parents. And Jesus tells them that neither was the case but that he was blind so that the mighty work of God, his power, his might, his compassion, and his healing ability could be displayed. Jesus also used the healing to show another part of his character with the I am statement of, I am the light of the world. This week, we pick up on the tail end of that miracle with the testimony of the once blind but now healed man. He's telling the Pharisees that Jesus must be from God because of the miracle of sight. And the Pharisees completely reject him, even putting him down, implying, how dare you try to teach us? Their pride and arrogance kept their eyes closed, essentially blinding them. They cast the man out of the synagogue. Jesus hears about this and uses it to again say who he is. He asks the man, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man asked who that was. And Jesus replies, you have seen him. It is he that is speaking to you. The man says, Lord, I believe. This simple statement of faith, he was seeking the truth when asking who the Son of Man was. And when he heard the truth, Jesus says, it's me. And he chose to believe in truth and in faith. Lord, I believe. This man was healed from not only the physical blindness, but his spiritual blindness too. Then Jesus makes a statement which sounds kind of confusing in John 9, 39. 
For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Was Jesus talking about physical healing? No. He uses the physical healing to show God's healing power, but his statement is about spiritual blindness. We know this because Jesus healed the sight of several people, but he never stole the sight from anybody. Jesus is talking about faith and the open heart and wanting to know him. I would imagine that it's easier to understand this first part of the statement, for judgment I came into this world for those who do not see may see. Anyone who does not know about Jesus but has an open heart to know and to learn like the blind man who immediately says, I believe. Those are the reference to the blind but now see. The second part of Jesus' statement can be understood by looking at the Pharisees and those who may see become blind. The Pharisees and Old Testament scholars were trained on the written law. The dictionary definition of Pharisees is a member of an ancient Jewish sect distinguished by strict observance to the traditional and written law and commonly held to have pretensions to superiority and sanctity, essentially full of pride and arrogance. They think they know it all, that they see. But Jesus says he came to help them get out of their spiritual blindness. He wanted anyone that believed that they saw or knew it all to be blind again, to open their hearts, to know who Jesus really was, to realize that they were missing out. Jesus wants them to open their hearts again and search for the truth. If they could do that, to go from where they think they see to being blind again, to search for the truth and believe, then they really could see. That is what Jesus wants, an open and faith-filled heart to believe. Lord, I believe. In John 10, 1-6, Jesus starts speaking about the sheep pen and the gate. In verses 1 and 2, it says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Those who enter by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. This is something in which the Pharisees and the people would have been very familiar. Sheep were prized and valued animals, not just for the obvious wool, but also for their milk, which made cheese, and for their leather to carry liquids. Because sheep were prized animals, they were protected from thieves and robbers and predators. Jesus talks about a sheep pen and the gate. What is a sheep pen? Sheep were not barn-kept animals. However, they were susceptible to being stolen or killed by predators, so they were routinely brought into a safe area to be kept, especially at night. The main role of the pen was to protect the animals, it was often a cave or a pen made out of stone walls with briars on the top. There was only one way in and one way out, and that was for the safety of the animals. This meant that the door or the gate was the entrance to safety and the ultimate spot that needed to be protected. The gatekeeper is in control of the gate and only let the sheep in and the shepherd to the sheep. The gatekeeper protected that gate with his own life because if anyone else got in like a predator, they had the sheep all right there, corralled up, kind of like sitting ducks. So they covered the opening, protecting and controlling the entrance. Jesus then tells us something very important and interesting about sheep. John 10, 3-6, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, the shepherd, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used the figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Sheep know their shepherd's voice. They listen to his voice. They follow their shepherd. Jesus says they will never follow a stranger, but will in fact run away because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Did you know that often several herds of sheep would be kept together, all mingled into one pen? When it was time to leave, the shepherd simply walks into the pen and starts speaking to his sheep. They heard that voice and they obeyed. They followed the shepherd right out of the pen and those who don't belong won't follow. How cool is that? Could you imagine trying to tell one sheep from another as they all seem to look similar to me, but not to their shepherd? Sheep are prized animals. They're obedient animals following their shepherd and sometimes even the shepherd's dogs or goats because they know them. They stay together in a flock unless threatened and then they scatter. Sheep are considered gentle. They are dependent on one another and their leader, their shepherd. They need a protector and a provider, a caretaker, especially in caring for their wool. They're also very dirty and smelly, but a shepherd stays because of their value. Sheep need their shepherd. Now that we've learned about sheep and pens, gatekeepers, let us look at the shepherd before moving on to the I am statements so that we get a better understanding of them. In the Old Testament, Israeli's leaders were sometimes called shepherds. But in the New Testament, and that's what we're studying, shepherds were perceived as rough, unscrupulous characters. They were lower than low class. Shepherding really was dishonorable profession. Yet Jesus wants us to hear this because of his character of good shepherds. Shepherds care for the sheep's safety. They are ensure they're fed. They have intimate concern. They are close. Shepherding can't be done from a distance. Shepherds are completely committed to their flock. They live with their sheep. They carry the young and the sick if they're unable to keep up. They tend to the sick and the injured and even offer birthing support. They have to be a good provider, putting themselves in harm's way. They use the shepherd's hook for protecting and guiding, saving those lost in brambles or have fallen down a ravine. These hooks were not that big, maybe slightly taller than a man. This means that shepherd is physically close to his sheep, right in the middle of it all. This job was not for the faint of heart, because some of the predators were lions and coyotes, bears and thieves and robbers. And the shepherd has a stick that's about six or seven feet tall to protect the flock. Shepherds were so close and intimate with their sheep because they were with them all the time. They even named their sheep, calling them by name, speaking to them individually. In order for the sheep to know their shepherd's voice well enough to follow it, that meant they had to hear it often. Jesus tells us in John 10, 7-13, I am the gate for the sheep. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And again in verse 9, he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. What do we know about gates? This is the entrance What does using Jesus as our gate do? 
It's our salvation, which only comes through Jesus. Verse 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's Satan's role. But Jesus further tells us, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Our God is a God of abundance and fullness, not just enough. He provides life to the full. He says, I am the good shepherd in verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the ultimate price of protection. Jesus does lay down his life willingly for his sheep. Verses 12 and 13 says, The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Talk about a difference between a hired hand and the one who is only there to collect a paycheck and that will not lay down his life for the sheep and the good shepherd. Ezekiel 34, 1-16. This was day four of your homework. Ezekiel was a priest and a prophet and was given this word about shepherds of Israel, the Pharisee rulers and leaders of the Old Testament. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy, and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds and clothe yourself with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the loss. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered and become food for all the wild animals, and because my shepherds did not search for my flock but cared for themselves rather than for my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for their flock. I remove them from tending the flock that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them to the countries and will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, in all the settlement of the land. And I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountains of heights of Israel will be their grazing land. Then they will lie down in good grazing land and there will be feed in the rich pastures and in the mountains of Israel. Myself will tend to the sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and strong I will destroy. God was telling us about his plan for a real shepherd for his sheep. 
That's us. Jesus tells us that he is that good shepherd. Jesus then goes on to tell us about how that relationship will work. Jesus says in John 10, 14, and 15, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and lay down my life for the sheep. The word know is important here. It speaks of intimacy and knowledge and understanding. The dictionary says to know is to perceive or understand as fact or truth, to apprehend clearly and with certainty. The Bible has these other verses about knowing. John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Exodus 6, 6 and 7, where God is speaking to Moses. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves and I will redeem you with my outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Jeremiah 24, 7 says, I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. They will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. Hosea 6, 6 says, For I desire the steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. God is saying that he desires for us to know him and not burnt offerings. This is why that Jesus came to be the final sacrifice to tell us about his character and to reflect God the Father. He wants our open and willing hearts to search for him and believe in him. I love this scripture, Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was the husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declare the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall one teach his neighbor and teach his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. So here we are. How do we get to that place of intimacy? Jesus is here with us. He says that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Our job as his sheep is to know him, to recognize his voice, his works, his character. We must be able to hear his voice above all the noise of life and to choose to follow him. Jesus makes an amazing promise to us in John 10, 28 and 29. I give them eternal life that they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Your life and your salvation is safe in Jesus' hands. He chose to lay down his life for us, only to take it up again on his resurrection. This is eternal life, not here, but in his Father's house. And no one can steal that salvation away. John 10.30 says, I and the Father are one. Jesus is very clearly telling us who he is. In John 
10, 1 through 6, Jesus says, I am the gate, the only way, the gateway of salvation. We must enter into salvation knowing him and choosing and seeking the truth with an open heart. In John 10, 7 through 18, Jesus says, I am the shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus willingly lays down his life so that all that believe in him shall be his sheep. Lastly, John 10.30, Jesus is the great I am. He tells us that he and the Father are one. Our big job is to know him through studies like this, through reading the word, through prayer and listening. Take time to listen to Jesus. Jesus is right here, as close to you as any good shepherd would be. I want to leave you with one final word about knowing Jesus. 1 Corinthians 13, 9 and 10 and verse 12 This is Paul writing, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Jesus knows you completely. He chose you from the beginning of time. He came so that you could have a life of knowing Him. He's our gateway to eternal life. Until that day, He is our Good Shepherd, protecting, caring, loving us and talking to us, calling you by name. Listen and follow Him. He will take you to green pastures. 